so good to have each and every one of you here this morning. I pray that you come on purpose to meet with God. You say that almost every Sunday. I mean it every Sunday. I really need you to understand that you're responsible for that relationship that you have with God. You might say, I don't know about a relationship with God. Well, you can know and you can have a relationship with God. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. He talks about how the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And folks, that would be every man that was ever born of woman. Amen? So if you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, today can be the day of your salvation. The book of 1 John also tells us that we can know that we have eternal life. It's not just a guessing game. Amen? I'm going to use a couple of verses to spring off with here. But first, I'm going to have Alice sing. I forgot forgot. I like to hear her sing. I was talking to my son yesterday. You should have hit a note over there or something. Uh, I was talking to my son yesterday and he said, well, how's mom doing? I said, she's doing fine. I said, I'm enjoying listening to her play the piano and sing. So, Alice, I apologize.
Thank you very much. Well, Daniel, you have to watch me because when Alice sings, I usually try to sing along with her and don't make sure you, you have me off. You're a good man. Yeah, Daner knows me. Daner knows me quite well. So I appreciate that very much. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 7. I knew what I was going to speak on this week, and I'm rehearsing things in my head, and then it all changed yesterday. Actually, probably started changing on Friday as we had the service here for Pam Sears, the home going. You know, it's just something different about going to a service and where you're uh, just praising God for having known an, another child to God that has gone home to be with the Lord. Oh, there's sorrow and there's sadness, but folks, I got to tell you, we have hope. We have hope, and it's based and founded in the Word of God. It's not my hope. Not that I hope, you know, it's not like I'm on a hope that I'm going get, to get to go and get a good hamburger after after uh, uh, the service today. We're all going to go back here and have a, a chicken and sandwiches and what have you, so I hope you're planning on doing that. But I knew what I was going to do, but it all changed. And uh, let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter uh, 5. I'm sorry, sorry, 6, 5 through 7. 6, 5 through 7. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It's pretty clear here what he's saying. We need to make the word of God the center of our life. We need, we need to wrap our minds, and we need to wrap everything we do, our service, around the Lord. I want to use that kind of as a springboard because we're going to be talking about Joseph a little bit this morning. And so you can take your Bibles and open to the book of Genesis chapter 50, if you will. Chapter 50 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, and we'll be there in a minute. But my question to you this morning is, what will your legacy be? What will your legacy be when you die? You know that whatever is most important to you, Whatever the life is that you live, that's what your legacy is going to be. That's what your legacy is going to be. If you're all about sports, yeah, he loves sports. Man, I never saw a person love sports as much as him. Uh, whatever, you're, whatever it is. And we had this celebration for Pam Sears on Friday. The Bible tells us that in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, for man also knoweth not his time. Man knoweth, also knoweth not his time. When Pam started into 2022, everything was fine, she thought. She had no idea that in two months' time, she would have been home in glory. See, Pam just turned 54. Just 54. Several of us in this room are past 54. Some of us are more past 54 than others. Some of us feel like we're well past 54. I'm not going to talk about that number over there, <laughs> okay? He, hate, he hates it when I remind him. But praise God for him. But one thing is certain. You are closer to death 
today than you were yesterday. It's coming, folks. It's coming. And when you die, the question is, what kind of legacy will you leave? See, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, I know, but many of us just live for ourselves. It's all about us. It's all about us. Well, it's not all about us. When somebody dies, everybody usually wants to know, you know, what happened? Were there any last words? On Friday, we sat here, and there was a eulogy, eulogy given, and it was uh, Brother, Ledbetter, Le, Brother Ledbetter. He was talking about his mother-in-law, who had passed away several years ago. And he said that when she realized that she was going to die, she went back and compiled notebooks for all of her grandchildren. And in those notebooks, she took all the cards and the little gifts and what they had given her and put them back in that notebook. And then she wrote in that notebook who she was, how she'd received Christ as our Savior, and left within that notebook the desire for them to know the Lord as well. That's the legacy she left them. When they think about her, their grandmother, that's what they think about. In Genesis chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, we come to the final moments of Joseph's life. And in order to get a, kind of an idea of the scene, we need to know a crucial fact. That half a century, when we come to this verse, half a century has passed since Joseph said to his brothers, But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. His final words are recorded here and also recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verses 24 through 26 of chapter 50. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. It's, it's time, folks. He said, it's, I'm going to die. I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin. Twice Joseph says, God will surely visit you. You know what this is? This is faith at the end of his very last life. Joseph still held on to what he believed at the end of his life. That's my desire, to hold on to what I believe until the end of my life. He was old. He was dying. But Joseph saw past Egypt into the distant future. He knew that one day he would keep his promise and deliver the Israelites from Egypt and give them a homeland of their own. He firmly believed this promise. Firmly believed this promise. So much so that he instructed the Israelites, when you leave, take my bones with you because I don't want to be buried here forever. We have the advantage this morning as we sit here, whether it's in written form like this Bible here or on your uh, little handheld device, your phone, we have the Word of God in our hands. We know this story. We know the beginning of the story. 
We know the middle of the story, and we know the end of the story. But to the children of Israel, they had no idea, no earthly reason to expect that this would happen. They didn't have any idea. From the outside, it appeared that the Jews would stay in Egypt forever. How long were they there? 430 years? And that's how it seemed for many generations. Over time, Egypt had grown comfortable to them. And the Jews had gained wealth in Egypt. But Joseph looked into the future. And in essence, he said, this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. I submit that some of us have chosen to live our lives in such a way as if at the end of our life, that's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. That's the way many Christians live. Sad to say. And I'll say this, if it's about you, well, there, that's what it is. But that's not what God intended. That's not what God intended. Was Egypt good for them? Yeah. It protected them. Kept them from destruction. On the other hand, was Egypt good for them? No. Not if they stayed there forever. You may be kind of listing along as you go through this Christian life, walking along, and you really don't have in mind what is my legacy going to be. We need to think that way. We need to understand that each of us will leave a legacy whether we intend to or not. The question is, what kind of legacy will you leave your children and your grandchildren? How could Joseph be so, fure, uh, so, so sure about the future? Well, first he knew that God had promised his great-grandfather. Who was his great-grandfather? Abraham. Abraham. Wouldn't it be something? My great-grandfather was Abraham. Secondly, his own life proved that God kept his promises. And he knew that Israel didn't belong in Egypt. And he didn't want his bones staying in Egypt. On the outside, he looked like an Egyptian. On the inside, he was an Israelite. He was an Israelite. He never forgot who he was or where he came from. The Bible tells us that Moses took the bones with him when the Jews left Egypt. That's in Exodus chapter 13. And years later, Joshua buried them at Shechem. Joshua chapter 24. He made it. Hebrews 11, verse 22. Turn there. Hebrews 11, 22. Just reiterating, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Take me, take my bones with you. Take my bones with you. We might consider it unusual that the writer of Hebrews might highlight this moment. Interesting. We might say it some other way. We might say that by faith, Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brethren, didn't become bitter. We might say by faith, Joseph, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, didn't yield to temptation. We might say by faith, Joseph, when he was forgotten in prison, didn't turn away from God. Oh, God's forgotten me. I'll just not serve him. Many of us would have done that. My goodness, put us into a prison. 
we certainly most likely would think that God had forgotten us, but not Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he met his brothers, did not seek revenge. Oh, I'm going to get you for that. I'm going to get you for that. There's something different about Joseph. When we think of Joseph, those are some things that we might remember. But God saw his faith shining brightest in his final moments. Will your faith be shining brightly in your final moments? When he died, he was embalmed and put in a coffin in Egypt so his bones would be a testimony to the coming generations. His children and his grandchildren knew what sort of man he was. Grandfather, father, when you die, how will your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren remember you? His descendants knew where he stood and what he stood for. What do you stand for this morning? His legacy lived on. What will your legacy be? The bones of Joseph testified to the coming generations that the people of God didn't belong in Egypt. They were there temporarily, but his real home was in Canaan. You know what? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Our home is in heaven. And we need to act as if we are, which we are, citizens of heaven. Joseph was 17 years old. Think of it, 17 years old when he was sold to the Midianites and taken into Egypt. 17 years old. My goodness. At 17 years old, I look back at me at 17 years old, and I, I, was, I was lucky to be able to find my way from the bedroom to the living room. I just had no sense. 17 years old, sold as a slave. When he died, he was 110 years old. You know what that means? That means that he lived in Egypt for 93 years. 93 years. And through all, throughout all that time, though, he never forgot who he was. Never forgot who he was or where he came from. Joseph at this time was saying, I may be dying, but I believe that one day God will keep his promises. What's this mean for us? Listen to this. Nothing of God dies when a man of God dies. Nothing of God dies when a man of God dies. We die, but the promises of God continue to live on. See, this all goes together with legacy. They bury us, but they don't bury God's promises. Your death cannot nullify God's faithfulness. See, when you die, that's not the end of it all. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, it continues on. See, our God is the God of the future. And he's the God of generations to come. There once was a servant. His master was dying. He was asked, how is your master? And he replied, he is dying full of life. 
he is dying full of life. When Joseph died, that's the way it was. He was full of life, full of faith. We have three lessons I think we can get from this today. First, talking about what will your legacy be. The greatest thing you can do is to pass your faith along to your children and grandchildren. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're... You could be the president of the United States. The greatest thing you can do is pass along your faith, which is, I'm talking about this faith right here, to your children and to your grandchildren. You might leave them a lot of money. I remember when my dad was passing away and my brother and I talked to him and he said, well, we're going to do that. I'm going to leave this and I'm going to do this. Dad, we don't care. You just spend it all. You just spend it all. But he wanted to leave us something. But not only did he leave us a few dollars here or there, but he left us with the knowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and paid the penalty of our sin. And I'm so thankful that he left that legacy. Abraham passed his faith to Isaac. Isaac passed his faith to Jacob. Jacob gave his faith to Joseph. And then Joseph passed it along to all the children of Israel. You need to think of it like this. Paul, Paul talked about running a race. The Christian faith is not a sprint. And it's not a marathon. You know what it is? It's a relay race. Have you ever watched the relay races? You see people running. They've got that baton and they hand that baton off. And boy, they have to be well practiced to, to take off the right time and receive that baton and not to drop it. And sometimes you'll see somebody drop the baton. But with the child of God, father, mother, you're running with this baton, the faith. You're running in this faith. And here comes your child. And you're handing it off. And then years down the road, here will come their child. And they'll hand it off. That's the faith that we're talking about. I'm just one member of a team. By the way, this team has been going on for generations, for generations. I have faith because someone shared it with me. They had faith because someone shared it with them. They had faith because someone shared it with them. And on and on and on. I need to make sure that I pass this faith along to my family. Are you passing this faith along to your family? Well, here I'm at church. Well, praise the Lord. How do you live on Monday? How do you live on Tuesday? How do you live on Wednesday? Are you consistent? See, I can't fail here. I cannot fail here. I pass to this church. God has blessed me with this opportunity to do it. I praise him for it. It's not my most important job. I need to pass along my faith. Years go by. <laughs> they go so quickly. They go so quickly. But this is a lifelong task. A lifelong task. Our children are grown. I've got grandchildren. I've got grandchildren got married. I've got grandchildren have children. My goodness. They said, somebody said, that makes you a great-grandfather, and I explained to them very carefully that before I was a great-grandfather, I was a great-grandfather. 
you know, that's kind of a relative term. But it's important, it's important that I run this race well. That I walk in this faith, all faith and practice right here. You know, I guess what I'm saying is we, we need to quit playing games. We need to quit acting like just because I came to church and I put the tithe in the offering that everything is hunky-dory fine. You need to get serious. You need to get serious about how you're living for God. Sadly, some people lose track of the goal and their, their, their eye is taken away from that race and they stumble and they fall before crossing the finish line. Joseph finished well, and I pray that I do the same. How about you this morning? Two, the saddest thing that can happen to us is to become bitter in our old age. Sometimes we become bitter in our young age. <laughs> There's an old saying about things and circumstances in our life. It'll either make you bitter or better. It'll make you bitter or better. How are you this morning? Do you sit here bitter? Do you sit here bitter? You know, sometimes I look out there and I go, boy, what's going on? Now, I can't read your heart, but sometimes your faith really tells a story. And I'm thinking there's no joy there. What's wrong? Well, sure, you've got problems. I've got problems. I've got things going on. But circumstances should never dictate how I live this life. It doesn't, shouldn't dictate how I respond to you. We've all seen it happen to people we know, sometimes people very close to us. They grow old, and they grow, they grow bitter and angry and resentment. Why? Because life didn't turn out the way they thought it should. A little over a month ago, the Sears family was doing just well. Pam seemed to be fine. She's in the grave right now. She's home with the Lord. But life didn't turn out exactly like they were thinking. Abraham had a promise from God. He never saw it completely fulfilled. Isaac had the same promise, but he died without it being fulfilled. Jacob had the same promise. He died in Egypt, didn't see it fulfilled. Joseph had the same promise, but he died in Egypt. Sometimes you will not see the end of what your life is going to be. It's important, if we truly believe what this book says, that we continue to walk in faith believing it, and so much so that we let it permeate our life. These men... You don't see where they're bitter in Scripture, do you? And yet they didn't see everything that was going to come to pass. Thirdly, the happiest way to live is to realize that God's work is bigger than you are. God's work is bigger than you are. But I go back. Unfortunately, it's all about me. It's all about me. Have you ever met someone and it just seems like 
the way they act, and I don't mean this in a bad way, just by way of illustration, that the world revolves around them. And if I don't have it my way, then I don't need you. You know, the way of life may be hard. You want to know what hard is? Hard is hearing your child's going to die. Hard is going down in her final days and picking out a casket to bury her. The road may be steep. Sometimes the path is lonely. You know, you may climb and you may climb and you may climb and you'll never reach the summit that you set out to reach. Are you walking by faith? What will your legacy be? Someone said, it may not be given to me to see everything I would like to see, but it's given to me to live faithfully day after day so that after I am gone, listen to this, others may stand on my shoulders and see the things I never saw. Talking about your children. It's not all about me. I'm talking about your grandchildren. I remember as a young man saying, I received Christ as my Savior. I knew that. But I really wanted to see him work in my life. I'm sad for Christians that never think along those lines or just dare to dream that God is going to use you in some way to do something. God's plans are bigger than mine. His plans are bigger than mine. My job is to live for God and pass along my faith to my children, to my grandchildren, to my relatives, to my friends, and to my neighbors. Psalm 105, 100 verse 5 says this, And his truth, what we're talking about, endureth to all generations, to all generations. Suppose we uh, had a grandfather here and a, a son and a, and a grandson and maybe a, a great-grandson on the platform, and you're looking at this visual. Well, this text is telling us what God was to the grandfather. What God was to the grandfather, he will be to the son. And what he is to the son, he will be to the grandson. And what he is to the grandson, he will be to the great son, grandson. This is the way it goes. Gone this way for centuries. Generation after generation. Only God remains forever. As a child of God, I don't have to fear death. Death doesn't frighten me. Death does not frighten me. You know, don't know how I'm going to go. Some people might say, well, I've got, I've got a, a disease that's going to, they say it's going to kill me. You don't know if that's going to kill you. You don't know. But I praise God that this road that we walk, this earthly road, guess what? It's paved with God's love, and it's paved with God's faithfulness. 
It's the child of God that is so consumed with themselves that they cannot see this. Pam died. God is good. God is good. Where's the time gone? Where's the time gone? Alice and I, it seems like we just got married. We celebrated 49 years of marriage here last December. All of a sudden, our children have had children. Grandchildren have children. Yesterday, they were teenagers. Today, they're parents. And the day will come that we're going to die. Folks, I'm I'm talking about we need to get serious about what kind of legacy we are going to leave to our children. The things that are important. It's not going to be that I left them X amount of dollars. It's not going to be that I left them this over here. It's going to be what you left. Did you pass along your faith? What's going to happen when I die? How will my children do? Will God take care of them? Will God take care of my grandchildren? Yeah. Why? Because God transcends all generations. Will you live your faith to the end? What will your legacy be? Think of it this way. Think of a chain. Think of a chain. And you've got God's purposes here. And you've got Tim over here, and he's a link. And Danny over here, he's a link. And Debbie over here, she's a link. And we're all links in this chain of God's great purposes. We show up, God hooks us up with someone, comes before, and someone that comes after. Like Joseph, most of us may not discover what our role really is until we get heaven. I don't know. Maybe later in life. But we need to be able to look back and say, no matter what's going to happen to me, even the parts that I don't understand, even those bad times in my life, when I feel like, you know, feel like almost that God has abandoned you and yet he has not, your child has cancer, God meant it all for good. God meant it all for good. I watched as Emily went through that time of cancer and how that her faith increased my faith. It really did. You tell her, God's good. He's good all the time. Knowing I'm going to die. Knowing she's going to die. We're going to make it, folks. We're going to make it. We're coming now to the end of this message where Joseph's journey ended. And with great certainty, you need to understand that death, your death, my death, will not exhaust God's promises. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Where is thy victory? No wonder Joseph said, don't leave me down in Egypt. Take my bones with you. He knew a better day was coming. There's a better day coming. You say, I'm tired. I've just been doing this for so long. I'm just tired. I'm tired. There's a day of rest coming, folks. My good friend Tom Pride told me, Donnie, Christians never retire. Oh, you say, I've not retired. I still come to church. But really? Yeah, really you have. Why? Because there's not a witness. There's not a testimony. You don't never talk about the Lord. 
You never share them with anyone else. We're going to come to the end of our life. And when we do, we'll meet Jesus. We'll meet Jesus. The saints have nothing to fear in the moment of death. Like I said earlier, we don't know how we're going to die. Might be in a car wreck. Might be a fiery crash. Might be painful. But right on that other side, <laughs> right on the other side, we'll meet Jesus. So I want to wrap this up this morning, bringing this to a close. The greatest thing you can do is to pass your faith along to your children and grandchildren. McKee wrote Baptist member, child of God. Have you determined that I'm going to pass my faith along to my children and my grandchildren? Now, careful how you answer. Brother McCracken was here the other day and he used Jeremiah 17:9. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You might sit here and say, well, yes, I want to pass along my faith to my children. But that might be just an answer that we've come to learn to know to say. But you don't really mean it fully in your heart. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. If we received, if we say we received Christ as our Savior with that same sort of faith level, would you be saved? I mean, we believe in Christ to be our Savior, and we trust Him as our Savior with our whole heart. And yet, when it comes to passing along our faith to our children and our grandchildren, we're really not doing it with our whole heart. What will your legacy be? Have you determined to live your faith until you cross into the promised land of heaven? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What will your legacy be, folks? Serious, folks, we need to be serious when it comes to our situation with God, our walk with God. You see, it's not just doing what the pastor says. You're responsible to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And then, depending whether you're a father or a mother, whatever it is that you are, you're responsible to understand and know that you're going to leave a legacy. Will it be a godly legacy? A godly legacy. Some of us have a little bit of Bible in us. Oh, that we could have all the Bible in us all the Bible in us. What did it say? What did it say we're to do? And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, do you? And with all thy soul, do you? And with all thy might, do you? And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently, not flippantly, not a little bit here, not a little bit there, but diligently on purpose unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down. What do you talk about when you sit down with your children? Do you bring God into it? When thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, 
What will your legacy be? Father, have your will and way, I ask in your name. Amen.